Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Here's what's coming up on this edition of The Intersection. First, it's Ryan Noel Fraser, a university professor with experience in the field of pastoral counseling. He spoke with me recently about the area of depression and how believers can respond biblically to it. Then it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Christian Product Expo International in Tennessee with Sharon Janes, providing words of encouragement for couples based on the Song of Solomon, including those elements that contribute to decline or distance in a marriage. And it's more from CPE International with Phil and Beth Bruns of Launch Mini, who are devoted to helping young adults follow God's direction in launching their lives. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, Paige Geske stopped by Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at CPE as well and discussed how she navigated a severe accident, a cancer struggle, and more by relying on God and His strength. Finally, it's Jeff Rogers of the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking commenting on how his organization has been involved in helping reduce human trafficking by partnering with various community organizations to address the issue from the demand side. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Ryan Noel Fraser is a licensed clinical pastoral therapist and a fellow in the American Association of Pastoral Counselors. He directs the Master's in Pastoral Care and Counseling program at Freed Hardeman University in Tennessee and shared information with me recently relative to his book, Overcoming the Blues, Finding Christ-Centered Hope and Joy Through Serving Others. With some material from that conversation, this is Ryan Noel Fraser. The inspiration came from a, a few places. So obviously, um, I have a heart for pastoral care and for ministry and counseling. It, it's sort of in my DNA, I believe. But um, just being, being in ministry for about 30 years uh, myself, I have seen so uh, just an escalation within the church, seemingly of uh, you know the need for for help with with mental health issues, uh, particularly depression or different shades of the blue, uh, what I call it. So it depends on the severity. And often um, I've noticed, and, and things are getting a little bit better. So I'm 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 happy for this, but um, there's been such a a stigma um, around. Uh, depression, a lot of shame with that. Maybe uh, I would call a conspiracy of silence within within the churches, and um, the need is is growing. So, so just you know, based on 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 that need. Now, there's lots of book, lots of books on depression, but very few out there that that attend to the spiritual dimension, you know, of it as well, especially for for believers. So that was one area, and then. You know, in my my teaching and, and and counseling clinical practice, just working with lots of Christians over the years, hundreds, if not thousands of them, um, really sincere, wonderful, God fearing people that are are struggling to come to terms with why in the world do I, you know am I dealing with this type of issue? So that's a, a kind of a, a second area, and then the third area or uh, impetus for the book is um, within my own family. Uh, my wife who is very transparent about it. Uh, in the book, we we uh, share a lot of gut-wrenching stories, um, but she deals with clinical depression. And um, so just her desire, and I know my desire was that if we could just 
uh, you know, if I could write this book and and save one life, you know, just save somebody from taking their own life. It is a hundred percent worth it because uh, they're precious people in the churches that that need a message of hope and healing and something that's practical, but uh, biblically um, solid, biblically based. If someone is facing depression, what does that say about a person's spiritual maturity or his or her relationship with God or anything of that sort? Okay, you know, there there are certainly different um, reasons why people deal with depression. So let me first of all say that that it could be, and, and occasionally it could be sin-based. You know, there, there's this guilt, there's this... Mm. This issue there, like Paul, like uh, David, who, who sinned with Bathsheba and suffered the consequences, right, with it. But more often than not, um, it's it's just a, it's a medical disorder. It's a, a chemical imbalance um, in in the brain, a neurochemical imbalance. And so believers need to understand again that uh, just because they, they're struggling with something, this is Job had his struggles, doesn't mean that God is angry with them. It doesn't mean that that they've done something wrong. Um, but again, that that they are just a, a human being and a, a weak human being. We all are. Um, but I, I get off of these three R's in the book. The first R is to recognize God's abiding presence, that um, he's promised he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Um, he's promised that that he is um, a refuge to us. He's promised that he's near to the to the brokenhearted, that he saves the crushed in spirit. So recognizing God's abiding presence, um, just because he feels a million miles away, doesn't make it so. So that's one aspect. And then uh, moving on, just reaching out to to others um, a, a great antidote that I, I speak about in in the book is um, depression presents us with a very unique opportunity because it I think it sensitizes sufferers sensitizes them to suffering around them and to the needs of others so that they can reach out with the the comfort of of, of God as second Corinthians 1 3 4 talk about so uh, reaching out and then also, uh, third, the third R is respecting your limitations, realizing that um, to love your neighbor as yourself means you've got to love yourself too. Mm. And, and we've got a uh, Matthew 19, 19 speaks about, you know, that, that concept, but it requires self-care. Ryan Noel Fraser here on the intersection. You can find out more by going to Ryan Noel Fraser. That's F-R-A-S-E-R dot com. Next, from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central in Murfreesboro, Tennessee at the Christian Product Expo International, author and Bible teacher Sharon Janes, who has been a featured speaker with Proverbs 31 Ministries, shared principles related to her book, Love Struck, Discovering God's Design for Romance, Marriage, and Sexual Intimacy from the Song of Solomon. From that CPE International conversation, here is Sharon Janes. I was writing a, a Bible study for um, Proverbs 31 Ministries, actually, for their first five app, and I was doing the Song of Solomon as they were going through the Bible. They got there they to that point. They knew I had written on marriage before, and they said, well, let's get Sharon to write on this because this is kind of tough. But as I started looking at what the Song of Solomon really meant from a literal perspective, um, I was just so intrigued about what the words really meant and how 
um, explicit the the language was when you really broke down what the symbolism meant. And for me, I grew up in a home where uh, my parents didn't like each other very much, and um, there was a lot of arguing in the home. And, and actually, one day, I, um, as a grown-up, I was going through a drawer in my mom's home looking for a pen, just a drunk, junk drawer, and I found uh, a little album. It was a, a small record that my father had sent to my mother in the Korean War. Remember when they used the soldiers would make those little records? And it was addressed to my mom. It was the first year they were married. And I'd listened to that, and he talked about how much he loved her and missed her. And, and his voice was even cracking because of this love he had for her. And I held that, and I thought, how in the world did this happen? Because by the time mm. my earliest remembrance for my parents um, – they didn't even like each other. So how did how did a couple go from loving each other in the beginning to not even liking each other? And as I started studying the Song of Solomon, what I saw was the, the song itself shows us ways to help that not to happen in a marriage. It, he talks about um, as during the, the two, the first two chapters, it's kind of like the, what we in our culture would call the, the dating years. And, and Solomon says, catch for us the little foxes. So we read that and like, what in the world is he talking about? You know, <laughs> catch for us the little foxes. And what when you learn what it really means, it means that that the Solomon character was was praying. He was praying to God, help us to see anything or anyone that could come into the vineyard of our marriage and hmm. steal its fruit. So he talked about you know, help us to find the little foxes. And then a little bit later, they get married. They have a very passionate honeymoon, which we are able to, it's very explicit what was going on. And God had that in there for a reason, because he wants us to see this is what he intended. But then the very next chapter, indifference and apathy starts to creep in. And all of us marriages, they, they all have different little foxes. I mean, there's anger, mm-hmm. there's jealousy, there's the remote control. I mean, there's lots of little foxes. But the one that we all have is a tendency to allow indifference and apathy to creep in and destroy the marriage. And that's what we see happened in the Song of Solomon. He came knocking one night. She said, no, thanks. Don't really want to see you tonight. And we see that she became very apathetic. And um, then we see at the very end of the Song of Solomon that she um, did what she could to make sure it didn't happen again, how she went to him. Basically, it would be like us going to our husband in the workplace. He was out in the field and said, you know, let's get away together for a while. Let's go to the villages like we used to. And she um, invited him to come on a very romantic getaway. And any time we see... Um, the verbiage in the Song of Solomon that's talking about fruit or the garden or anything like that, it's um, more of a, it's it's symbolism for sexual things. And so she was inviting him to come away and um, for them to enjoy each other again. And so it just shows us how important it is for couples to get away by themselves and to keep marriage a priority. And one thing interesting, Bob, about the, um, Song of Solomon is there is no mention of children through hmm. the entire book. So it's just focusing on the romantic relationship, how to keep that strong for a lifetime in a covenant relationship. Sharon Janes here on The Intersection. Her website is Sharon Janes, that's J-A-Y-N-E-S dot com. Next up, it's the founders of Launch Mini, Bill and Beth Bruns, discussing their Christ-centered approach to helping young adults to transition into adulthood as they elaborate on in the book, Launch Your Life, 
Creating a Life in Service of God. The conversation occurred at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Tennessee. From that conversation, here are Bill and Beth Bruns. We have four daughters between 19 and 24, and they're very, they're very driven, they're very spiritual, they're very active in their ministries, and they really wanted us to start helping their friends. Um, their friends' parents would start coming to us around how can we coach them to be better parents, how can we help their young people move forward in getting a, a life after formal education. That led to classes we started doing at our church, and then we, our minister asked us, would you consider writing a book? Um, the content's very unique, very much needed in ministry work today. Um, there's a crisis of faith with young people, young people losing their faith through college. Then when they get out of college, they're underemployed, and so they're not getting jobs in their, their fields of study. And so we felt like it was just a huge opportunity for us, for the backgrounds that we have, uh, to be able to bring this, this book and this ministry. Well, the name of the book is Launch Your Life, Creating a Life in Service of God. And... Philip, I want you to build on what Beth was just saying as far as the need for young people. Of course, you've got the situation that perhaps young adults have gone through college. They have the degree, but they may not be employed in their field or they may not have a or the type of job that they were perhaps looking forward to upon graduation from college. So what, from your experience, have you seen to be some principles that young people need to know with respect to navigating what can be a very challenging time of transition? Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, we found that it doesn't just apply to collegiate students. It's, uh, it's just anyone coming out of their formal coll- uh, former even high school education that may start working and, and uh, kind of find themselves uh, confused, maybe not quite sure what they want to go into and so forth. And um, so we're, we're excited in, in the book. We really help, try to help with uh, uh, the principles to help them to see what they may or may not like, a, a direction, their talents, their skills. Try to discover who God has made them to be, uh, what talents they have, and how that can, uh, how that can translate into a career. Um, and not just a career, but also a, a life that's in service of God. You know, sometimes... Bob, we, we uh, 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 make God, uh, uh, you know, small as Sunday morning. We put God into a time frame for an hour or two at our worship service, and then we go back to work on Monday or we go back to school on Monday, and we forget about him. But we wanted to see, uh, show how uh, biblically uh, some characters through some characters in the Bible that it's uh, God can use your whole life, uh, including Sunday morning, but also including Monday through Friday as well in service of him. Philip and Beth Bruns are joining me today here at CPE International, Faith Radio, and the Meeting House Media Central. And they have written this book entitled, Launch Your Life, Creating a Life in Service of God. Well, Beth, let's talk about the young people. They're in a very unique position in their lives. And you're hopefully training them, instilling in their hearts this desire to serve God. You also mentioned something interesting, and we've seen statistic after statistic about high school and college age young people who are having, as we might say, faith crises. They may have grown up in the church. They're kind of trying to navigate these faith areas, perhaps even, and 
I guess the, one of the phrases that's been used is losing their faith or not being completely dedicated to God. So how is it that you can help to retrain a young person's perspective when he or she may be struggling with their faith in Christ and living the Christian life in the first place? Well, the first third of the book is, is really meant to, to bolster the faith. Uh, we want young people to understand how intricately God made them, how God doesn't make mediocrity, how God has a plan for their life, and God intends them to dream and dream big. And those dreams could very much well be attached to, a, to the profession that you, that, that you take on. We also spend a good amount of time in the front end of the book talking about the foundation of a relationship with God and what is so great about your Bible study, your prayer, your personal ministry, and walking with God for your whole life and not just on Sunday morning. Uh, so we really hope that as they leave the front end of the book, they are inspired and they are dreaming for God and what God has in mind for them so that when we get to the middle part of the book, they can really have, be in step with their strengths, their weaknesses, their aspirations, the things that fits them, and, and, and they can allow themselves to put together a plan that God can bless and that they can move forward on. Bill and Beth Bruns here on The Intersection. You can find out more at launchmini.com. This is The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. And The Intersection Podcast can be found in that Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible through the Meeting House homepage. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content, including recently added content from the CPE International Event in Tennessee, as well as the Getty Music Worship Conference Sing 2019, also taking place in the Nashville area. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Content from the Intersection podcast can also be found through the Faith Radio app and through a variety of podcast platforms. Learn more when you visit the Meeting House homepage. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection podcast, it's the author of the book, Milepost 95, From Wreckage to Redemption, Paige Geske, visiting Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International. In our conversation, she shared about God's faithfulness and her trust in Him through difficulties in her life, as she recounts in the book. Here now is Paige Geske. I remember especially when I got diagnosed with colon cancer, that was pretty, pretty um, a big kick to the gut, sure. for sure. Um, but I again remembered His faithfulness. Wow. And what mm. he had seen me through, and I thought, you know what? He's seen me through all these things. He's going to see me through this, so it'll be all right. And you had the, uh, unfortunately, you as far as the, the life situations, there was a, a bit of multitasking, it sounds like, that you had to do because you were, you were dealing with the, the injuries from this accident. Of course, there was the woundedness having come from a broken marriage mm -hmm. and the subsequent divorce. Now you have this this health challenge. So it's so important. I think it's important for people to remember, even in the midst when there are multiple things coming at you, 
nevertheless, it, it sounds like that you were intent on remembering God's faithfulness and, and trusting in him through it all and knowing none of this is too much for him to handle. Absolutely. And you know, the subtitle of my book, From Wreckage to Redemption, um, it's really important to me to kind of talk about that because we have these transitions and things that happen and there's, there can be external wreckage as well as internal wreckage, mm-hmm. like you were talking about. But the Lord can redeem all of it, yes. external and internal. And that's what I wanted people to get out of my story, is to remember that whatever you're going through, He is quite capable of redeeming and healing. Paige Gasky joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio, CPE International in Tennessee. Well, you've authored this book called Milepost 95, and I wanted you to share about the significance of that title before we move forward. Sure. That's actually, I was reading the police report, and that's actually where the the accident happened, the car accident happened. And I also thought the significance of that is that we all face mileposts throughout life, mm-hmm. different things that happen, which goes along with the transitions. And so... Um, Again, God is faithful to get us through these different mileposts and transitions. Paige, let's talk about your purpose for writing the book. Obviously, there's an incredible story, a painful story, a a story that has a number of different tragic events in it. Why is it that you felt like that you wanted to tell your story? Um, Because I really want people to not lose hope. And to, and to not lose their relationship with the Lord when they are um, either go through expected or unexpected transitions. So I definitely didn't want it to be a Debbie Downer book. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be um, much more of a Holly Hopeful <laughs> <laughs> book where um, for people could see a story that may have been a very hard story with difficult bumps in the road. Um, but bottom line, that that God redeemed it, that God was faithful, that God continues to be faithful. And, you know, when you go through some of the things that, that I have and then you're able to see how it helps somebody, that's so powerful. Mm. I mean, for me to sit down with a reader that's gone through a divorce or has had a horrible injury, um, had to recover... Um, or is, has a child that's transitioning, um, for, for you to be able to speak hope and pray with them and help them through and that, that your words that the Lord gave you are able to, to be healing to someone that I can't even comprehend. What It's just amazing. Well, people will ask the question, why would a good God allow bad things to happen? And if you put that into the Christian context, you can ask the question, why would God allow bad things to happen to his children? I think that the the Bible has some great teaching for us on that matter. From your perspective, having walked through what you've walked through, how would you respond to that type of question? I mean, ultimately, again, I just feel like it's his story for his glory. So mm-hmm. um, he evidently felt like I was strong enough to handle the things that have have happened to me and so my role is to tell his story well 
and to to bless and encourage people through what I've gone through. Paige Geske here on The Intersection. The website address is milepost95.com. Finally, here on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's the co-founder and CEO of the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking, Jeff Rogers. In light of a recent law enforcement action involving human trafficking in the state of Ohio, he shared about the significance of that action as well as best practices that are being implemented and how the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking is involved in addressing that issue. Here now is Jeff Rogers. What we did, first of all, is we looked across the country to try to identify what communities have done it best when it comes to fighting the demand. I mean, how do you really begin to affect the demand for purchased sex in a community? And so we looked across the country and and we did find, we found these communities that had truly done it best. And we engaged with the organizations there that had done it. We hired some of them as short-term consultants and they shared with us what they had done, knowing that our goal was to try to replicate that. And so we've taken some of these most promising practices from across the country and we've combined them into what we call our Trafficking Free Zone program. And so really what this is, is a community-based services engagement for a local community who recognizes they have a problem with sex trafficking and they're asking what can they do Well, what they can do is implement this kind of a program, the Trafficking Free Zone program, knowing that when they do, they're implementing some of the best practices across the country at fighting demand. And what it really comes down to is sphere of influence. And so we're engaging with multiple sectors of society within that community at the same time. So be it the local government or with law enforcement, with businesses, with churches, the school system, healthcare organizations, and using t- advanced technology, and helping each organizations, helping organizations in each of these sectors to begin to eradicate demand for purchased sex within their sphere of influence. And it's not rocket science, it's very simple steps that a business can take, for example, to begin to significantly affect the demand for purchased sex within its employee base. And same with the local government, same with churches, et cetera. And so that's really the key that we've found is when all of these different sectors are engaging within their sphere of influence at the same time, that's when we've seen the bottom begin to drop out of demand. I know that that your organization is really at its core is based on a Christian foundation. And I wanted you as we close to address really your motivation and also how you see that the church can be a critical key in addressing these issues related to human trafficking. Can't agree more. And I'll tell you, so Jesus Christ is the answer for this problem. Jesus is the answer for the true rehabilitation of survivors. Jesus is the answer for reaching the hearts of men and the hearts of women who at some point in their life decided that it's okay to buy sex from a child or from an adult. And Jesus, even though I hope that the traffickers spend the rest of their lives in prison, Jesus is also the answer for them. And because Jesus is the answer, it is through the church that we truly believe this can be can make a difference. And so that's why we have programs available for churches, and it's really for churches to stand up and recognize that the problem of pornography exists in their, in their congregations as well, so they need to address the problem of pornography from the pulpit. They need to address the problem of sex trafficking from the pulpit because they have buyers in there as well. And so we truly believe that through the church, 
the message of Jesus Christ can reach this country and, again, reach down into the hearts of men and women to curb the demand, because that is truly when we're going to see major differences occur in this country. Jeff Rogers here on The Intersection. Learn more by going to the website usiaht.org. Well, this has been The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more when you go to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You can also find The Intersection Podcast through The Meeting House homepage. It's in the Media Center. You can also subscribe via iTunes. Plus, full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection can be found through the Faith Radio app as well as through a variety of podcast providers. And through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for coming along for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.